You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We may live over 500 miles from Lincoln Financial Academy. Pick up four in the film study, and each and every week, we will be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I am your host, Shane Half, and I'm Shane's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow on Twitter, at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? I was waiting for the how are you doing question. I was thinking, terrible, Shane. For so many reasons. Uh, Firstly, I should probably get out of the way if you hear Shane's voice going a little bit. Uh, Shane is under the weather, so this is dedication to the podcast because uh, I don't think he can speak very well, and we have to talk about this game. Um, what a weird game! Like I, I messaged you before saying, if you don't laugh, you'll cry at this game. It was one of the worst, if not like the worst game I've ever watched. Like, the Cardinals game was bad on um, defense. Obviously, the Giants game was horrendous on offense. Uh, this was like the full package. This was awful for a playoff game. Um, I try and stay very rational, but this week I really can't. Like I- I'm fully out. Um, yeah, I want to start with two things as well before we get into it, just because they're on my mind. Uh, firstly, I'm going to have a little bit of positive shout out. I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to everyone who has listened. We uh, always do that at the end of the podcast. I feel like most people who listens to all of podcasts, like there's lots of podcasts in my in my in my app that I get through about 45 or half an hour and then forget. So uh, if you have watched us, liked us, commented on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, uh, massive, massive thank you. Um, I'm also going to throw shots at the Eagles fan base because, Shane, I tweeted saying that I'm not pulling an all-nighter to watch this game. And I had actual people questioning why I was not staying up for this. So I feel like I'm going to give a people a little bit of UK background. Uh, this game kicks off at, actually kicks off, you can tell I'm English, uh, 8.15 your time. That's quarter past one in the morning UK time, right? And I cannot sleep before a game. Like, I can't nap. That would mean this game would end about 4.30 in the morning. My alarm for work is set up at 5.30 in the morning. You think I'm going to sleep the second this game ends? There's no chance. If you think my Monday at work is going to be absolutely wrecked to watch this team, I'll start for a Super Bowl, probably a conference championship game. Uh, There was absolutely no way I was ever staying up for this game. This team were always going to do this. Um, I tried to get optimistic about certain things, but the writing was on the wall. I had actual people questioning, like, I'm, I'm 29, lads. I can't stay up all night and go to work all week off no sleep. There is absolutely no chance. I've done it once when we won the Super Bowl, and it was horrendous. And um, Luckily, I was so happy. I was The whole day was just, uh, the endorphins were, were running through me, so I was happy all Monday. But for this Monday, can you imagine having to go to work after no sleep watching that game? Uh, it would have been the worst Monday of all time. So... Uh, apologies, Eagles fans. I actually got the first point of abuse for being weak for not staying up. This team does not deserve uh, my attention that much anyway, because the coaches clearly were not putting any, any all-nighters before this one. Um, so if they're not, there's absolutely no chance I'm not. So I thought I'd get out of the way of a little bit of good and bad before we 
I was going to say, is it Eddie? Well, maybe be a few positives this week. But before we go in, uh, it's not really our style. We don't want to just moan. But how the hell can you not just moan when you watch this film? Because it is so rough. It's so rough. Johnny, it, it feels like the easiest solution to your conundrum there is just pull the all-nighter to watch the game. And then you can hop on the post-game show with me and Jess for that hour. And then you just go straight to work. You don't have to even try to go to sleep. I think that's a perfect, uh, perfect solution. Yeah, that sounds perfect. And then I can moan about it even more and then go into work on Monday with severe depression from lack of sleep and watching this team. Uh, yeah, maybe for a conference game, that'd be great. We'll record it once. I'll just film, document my day on a Monday. Um, but yeah, not this team. This team did not deserve my attention, Shane. They did not turn up, so uh, I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. I, I would not be staying up to watch a 1 a.m. kickoff by the way kickoff that's i mean that's what i say at least so oh, i, I, I don't think phrase. that's an english thing i realized last week watching it back i once said about a cornerback he needs to mark the opposing receiver and i was like, oh no that's that's very english that's very english uh cover is the correct term apologies guys i you know 29 years in the uk um i can't really change the way i speak despite listening to a lot of american podcasts so i definitely have some american lingo uh, in my vocabulary now but can't change 29 years of living in England. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive into it, Johnny. Um, do you want to start offense or defense this time? Offense. I have so much to say, uh, no doubt. Uh, defense, I knew it was going to suck. I said to you before, I, really, I said I don't really care about the defense. Like, it's terrible. All the coaches are going to go, whatever happened to Sirianni. Oh, I meant to say that at the start as well. little background. We're recording this about uh, 2 o'clock your time, um, Wednesday. So if Sirianni is fired by the time you listen to this, uh, we might touch on it briefly, but that might be why that we haven't commented on it. Or if he's announced he's staying, of course. Um, so we'll sort of get into it briefly when we touch on our points. But yeah, to be honest, I want to start on offense because I've got a lot to say about the offense. Defense, not so much. All right, well, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. And I mean, I think you have to start with the Eagles having absolutely zero answers to the blitz i mean it's one thing to face the giant and maybe you haven't faced a blitz happy team in a while and you go empty a lot and they blitz six and it doesn't work but then to come back two weeks later and do the same thing again to the giants and then to come out against the buccaneers and continue to go empty and continue to be cover zero blitzed and continue to be shocked that anyone would have the audacity to do that to you. Like, it's just, it's just mind boggling. I, I, I legitimately don't know what this team does during the week. Like, I don't know what this staff does in the film room. You look at this team and like, I just don't know how you don't see it, man. Like, I don't know how you continue to allow blitzing to derail you how your answer to it continues to be screen passes that simply don't work. And like, I don't even know if they practice them. Like there was one where they threw a screen pass to Dallas Goddard and he runs into Julio Jones. Do they not practice these? Like you can, you can go on a walkthrough and realize that alignment does not work for that play. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Um, I, I, I said, there's a lot of, well, I'll save that for when we talk about Hertz, but this offense is just pitiful. Uh, it's poorly designed. Uh, at times, it's poorly executed. It's poorly blocked up front. 
everything's just terrible with this offense over the last month of the season. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you, Shane. Uh, not about anything that you really said there, but you said they don't have answers. They do. They're just terrible answers. They do have answers. They 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 prepare like that. I mean, honestly, the, the play against the Blitz this week. Um, so I told myself I wasn't going to get annoyed watching this game, and I get up at five a.m. Uh, uh, sometimes maybe like four forty-five, four thirty to watch this. So I watch it right at the end, and I said I'm not going to get annoyed. They're going to lose, and I was genuinely angry. And I try not to get angry watching sports anymore. I was angry, like legitimately angry on the first third and two because it was it, to me. And I, I wrote about this yesterday, um, as in I put it on Twitter, and I try and be rational and I use language that I wouldn't normally use um, describing an NFL coaching staff. Um, so it's a quote from myself. Uh, I basically said that this, uh, the Eagles don't bother adjusting because they think they are better than everyone else. And that's how I feel. It's pure arrogance. It's hubris. It's the idea that they don't need to do anything different because what they do will work. And this is the one that you're showing now. This third and two, it kills me because as you said, Shane, they do have answers. They do have answers. Jalen Hurts, and I saw someone comment like, well, why does Jalen Hurts alert to this? I'm like, listen, he's not the coach. If the coach is telling him, if you get in cover zero blitz, this is the alert, this is the play, then that's what he's going to do. That's not his fault. You can't moan at him for throwing the go ball on the outside to Goddard. Um, we don't know what happens in behind the scenes and stuff, but it's this is the worst play call like in the world. And I, I mean that. Like, it's, so, it's so just like, let's just throw it up. Let's not bother trying to do anything interesting. We'll just throw a go ball with one-on-one coverage. Because why? Explosive plays. Explosive plays. As we've said all year. It's third and two. I said this in the thing I wrote, but three yards is not It's not a criticism. It's like, too, oh, we're too good to get three yards. Do you know what? Can you sneak it twice in a row? Like, I don't care. Like, it's like an arrogance. It's a belief that we're better than you. We don't need to scheme things up because we're better than you. And that's what, they're not better than you. Maybe with AJ Brown, they are sometimes. But Every single third down is either empty, they're getting blitzed, there's a free rusher, there's unblocked pressure, and they do not do a single thing to help their receivers. This is That was the most obvious, like, literally, just run slant flat. Just just motion, do anything. Put a stack so you can have, uh, you can create a natural rub. Like, you're getting the most obvious pick plays opportunity ever. This is the same one. Again, the Quez Watkins fade. It's the same. It's the exact same. Identical. Uh, we know we're getting man coverage. We know we're getting cover zero. It's the most obvious cover zero man coverage in humanity you could ever see. Like run a pick play, run a slant flat, put someone in motion, bring a running back across the formation. And then when he gets the quarterback, make him turn around and run the other way and dump it off to him. Just do anything, like literally anything. I've never screamed for a slant flat so much in my life. Like it's so, it's obsessed with explosive plays. They're obsessed with them. It's an obsession with we're better than you are and we don't need to do anything different because what we do will work. There's an obsession with execution and oh, we just got to execute. I can, I can see them, Shane, in the drawing board going, oh, you know what, that slot fade was that slot fade was a, was a good play call because if Chris Watkins wins, then, but it's not because they're not better. They probably still think Chris Watkins is good. There's this obsession with everything they do must be good because they've got two good players and they're better. And, and honestly, it annoyed me, as you can probably tell. Um, they didn't try and do anything. And it's not because they don't know. They're NFL coaches. I say this every week. Of course they know. It's that they think they know best. They don't analyze themselves. They're not critical of themselves. They don't reflect on what has happened. They didn't really, really sit down after that Giants game and say, what is actually wrong with this? They said, oh, the play calls are right. We didn't execute. Um, and that's the only answer. That's the only answer I have. And if anyone's got anything else, please feel free to tell me that I'm overreacting. Um, 
I, I don't see how any other answer makes any sense than the fact that they genuinely think this is the best way of doing it. And I don't know what happens next year. As we said, we're not going to speculate too much, but the offense cannot be like this. They cannot do this again. I actually think the general design of the offense outside of their play against the Blitz is not the worst, but it doesn't matter because every single good team will just blitz you. You go to empty, they'll send an extra man or you'll leave a running back into block and they'll send an extra man and you've got nothing. They have genuinely zero answers. Some of the answers in this game, the screen, um, the screens, I know you already commented on how bad the one to God it was or whatever, um, but there was, there was so many. Um, this is the one to got it, isn't it? And they, the guy who picks it, by the way, they do what they always do and throw into a slot corner map blitzing, which they've done so many times this year. Then there's one later on to Devontae Smith that's a joke. There was one to Kenny Gamewell that was a joke. It was it was honestly like the worst game plan you could ever do against the Blitz. And I don't think they could do it worse if they tried. Um, I, I don't understand. Like, I really, really, I mean, this play is like, what is this play? It's the one, if you're not watching and you're listening, it's the throw to Devontae Smith um, where he just comes across the formation. I like the name of it. What is this? That's perfect. <laughs> Literally perfect. Like, I, I didn't even film every clip this week because there was more than I could film. Um, every Basically, every single time they got blitzed, it was bad. I don't think there was one they got right. Um, they don't run any quick game. I, I don't know. I don't know, Shane. I don't know how you can look at this game and have any confidence at all in any single person um, on that offensive staff. Um, I'm going to say something really radical, Shane. I'm going to say it now while it's a podcast because I haven't got to tweet it. I even worry about Jeff, uh, Jeff Statman this year. I worry a little bit about the offensive line. They don't pick up things that well. They don't seem to communicate that well. I can't believe experienced offensive linemen. I know Jason Kelsey can retire. We're not going to say anything bad about Jason Kelsey ever. But I cannot believe experienced offensive linemen have not gone into a meeting room with the coaches and said, what on earth are we doing? I can't believe no one has said. I, I don't get it. But at the end of the day, the coaches run the team. They call plays. But... I find it incredible that this was the plan. Um, genuinely, as you can probably tell, and I, I rarely get annoyed watching sports. Like I try and be really rational. I, I could not be rational in this play this week. They made a choice not to do anything different. And the only answer I have is that they're arrogant and they think they are better than they are. They just got their um, whatever beaten by the Bucks <laughs> easily. Like e there was an easy game for the Bucks. They had a harder game playing the Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals would easily give them a tougher test. Easily. Um, like, that was about as bad as a performance as you could do. And outside of a deep post throw to Devontae Smith that was brilliant, um, they had nothing. They had genuinely had nothing. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line. And this is one of those plays. Uh, they go four by one to try to get Devontae Smith one-on-one. -on -one, and Devontae Smith wins on this route. He wins on this route, but he just needs another quarter second. Throws off. But look at the protection. I, I don't understand what's happening. Jason Kelsey is clearly pointing at number 98. 98's the mic. He's going to slide to 98. That means Cam Jurgens should be blocking the guy that's between him and Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson takes number 54. But then you watch, and they don't do that. Jason Kelsey goes to 98 like he said he would. Cam Jurgens also takes him. Jason or uh, Lane Johnson blocks 79 and you leave a free rusher off that edge. I, I don't understand. Like it's like then you've got on the left side 
uh, Landon Dickerson does what he's supposed to. Him and Kelsey are on the same page. He takes the guy between them. That means Jordan Mailata should be. He's on a dual read. Most dangerous man between the end and the edge rusher. And, and he leaves the inside guy. Like, I, there's three guys coming untouched to Jalen Hurts on a six-man pressure against five blocking. How do three guys come in untouched? I just don't understand. Like you clearly see Jason Kelsey point to number 98. I don't get it. And then off, you know, off the general design, like, yeah, I think Devonte Smith would win on this, but what's the point of having Dallas got like, I, I'm fine with this little yo-yo motion thing. We don't use it. Why do we have Dallas Goddard and Kenny Gainwell just flaring out to the flat? Like that's just two wasted guys. Just, just keep Kenny Gainwell into block and you could block this up yeah, this, or sorry, this actually team. throw that because then yeah. you've got Kenny Gainwell lead blocking for Dallas Goddard with tons of space. I just I don't know that that was one that just I, the protection. I just don't understand what's happening up front because again, I just clearly see Kelsey point at 98 and declare him as the mic and only he and Landon Dickerson act like that call ever happened. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. That's not a one-off. That's my point about the offensive line. It's not a one-off. It's happened a few times of late. They, the whole team struggles with blitz massively, like massively. Um, I also wanted to, on talk of design as well, like the lack of motion I get annoyed about because there's now a conversation, you know, motion is good and everyone has to do motion to be good and they don't have to. But you have to do it a little bit more than the Eagles do. And I always go back to Nick Sirianni saying, we don't want to be 32nd ranked in anything. Well, we are significantly 32nd ranked. And we're not just ranked 32nd, Shane. I think we're motion 10%. I don't even know if any of the motion we use even matters. It's For me, every motion they use is just a tell. It's just to find out what the defense is doing. They don't, they don't use it as a weapon at all. You have to get someone in the building next year who uses it as, as a weapon. I don't need you to be first in motion. I look at the Dolphins. You could argue they use it too much. You could argue it's a too big a part of their uh, offense. And if you stop it, actually, they don't have a lot else. Motion is a specific thing you use in a certain down distance against certain teams when you feel you can take advantage of it. But the Eagles just don't do it. They do nothing to get their receivers free. Um, and I want to talk about this stat that I just saw before coming on the podcast as well from um, a guy I've mentioned before, um, Arjun Menon. Uh, on Twitter, who's basically going back to 2018. When you look at all the EPA on every single play, basically, in the NFL, on early downs, the single most impactful play is under center play action. That is number one, under center play action. Uh, number two is shotgun play action. The Eagles are not really great at either. Um, I mean, they don't have an under center offense. And I keep reading things like, maybe Jane Hurst doesn't want it. And I'm all tough. He's not, he's not the coach. He's a well-paid quarterback. Number one, I'd want, I'd, I keep reading these things that people just speculate that Jaden Hurts doesn't like. And I'm like, has anyone actually asked Jaden Hurts? Is there any sources that have ever said, Jaden Hurts doesn't like playing under center? Or Jaden Hurts doesn't like rolling out to his right? Or Jaden Hurts doesn't like bootleg? Because I just see people speculate because we assume that he's told the coach he doesn't like it. Like, I don't know that. I, I can't say that. And if he doesn't like it, deal with it. <laughs> coach him. Everything you've ever heard about Hurts is that he's incredibly coachable, unlike Wentz was. That's everything we've ever heard about him, was that you can coach him hard. If that's the case, coach him hard. Start in the offseason. Not now, not mid-season. It's too late now. It's too late. Pre-season, the whole summer training camp, you work on under center, whoever is here next year. You cannot run an offense that uses no under center, that uses no motion, no stacks, 
no bunches. It just literally re re relies on your players being better. And I said this to you off air. Um, can you imagine this coaching staff with a team that didn't have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts and this offensive line? Can you imagine giving Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson the Panthers this year? Like they break records for points scored and the bad type, not the good amount. Um, like realistically, because their offense relies on players. And you'd think AJ Brown being out, they would make some, they've had all week, they've had all week to make an adjustment without their wide receiver one being out. Nick Sirianni came out and said, well, we've got a plan, whether he plays or whether he doesn't. There is no way that plan was different if AJ Brown was there. there is, it would have been the exact same. You would have just run the same plays with AJ Brown there instead. So some of them might have worked better than others. Um, it, it was laughable. It was genuinely laughable. And I don't say that very often. Um, and if people have only listened to the podcast for a year, but I hope they follow my tweets and I've written for, for goodness knows how many years. I do not criticize that much. I don't like to criticize coaches. I, in fact, I hate it because I've said repeatedly, they know a hell of a lot more than I do, but it was awful. And when every single person in the NFL film watching world, whether that's honest NFL, Dan Olotsky, Brian Baldinger, you name it, when every single person gets the film and watches it like us and says, what on earth is going on? Then... You know Jeffrey Lurie is going to have some serious questions because how on earth can you not? Um, is there anything else you wanted to say on the general design before we touch on a couple of minor other points? Yeah, just you mentioned things Jalen Hurts doesn't like to do. The only valid reason to not be under center at all, there's two, I guess there's two. One is you're going to use your quarterback a ton in the running game. And so you put him in shotgun a lot. So you open up those read options. The Eagles didn't run with Hertz much this year. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I would generally like to use him less as a runner during the season, ramp it up in the playoffs. Uh, but that's a valid reason. The other valid reason is if you have Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, those guys didn't really like to be in shotgun because they didn't like to turn their back to the defense. They were so good reading out the field after the snap. I'm not here saying that Jalen Hurts struggles to read defenses. People say that. If that's true, being under center shouldn't matter as much. Like it really, the only advantages to staying in shotgun is running a lot with your quarterback or having just an elite processor that wants to see the whole field while he takes his drop. I don't think either of those describe Hurts. I'm not saying he can't read a defense. I'm saying he's not like a generational processor that can make the most of being able to see the field the whole time. And the Eagles aren't using him as a runner. Like, it doesn't matter if he likes it or not. It's just got to be part of the offense. And and they've got to incorporate that next year. It's got to be there. Yeah, so let's, there's two things there that I want to touch on. So maybe we'll do them one by one. Um, let's do the Hurts discussion first. Um, I think you replied to my tweet about this. So I tweeted something um, basically saying, like, basically just shut up about criticizing Jalen Hurts. Like, I, I don't care whether you think he's good, very good, elite, average. Uh, just go and watch the film and tell me he's meant to do anything different this play, this game. It was horrendous. He had no chance. He had absolutely no chance. I know Jay Gruden got in a bit of trouble for hilariously for tweeting that. But you know what? He's right. Like, the, the coaching staff absolutely left him out to dry. It the plan was non-existent, and I know the safety he took was horrendous, and it was a bad safety. Don't get me wrong, but the guy is pushing because they're losing. They're not scoring anything. It's another third down. It's another play where he's getting pressure. It's another ridiculously bad design where no one's open. 
Um, I refuse to believe that Jalen Hurts is the one that makes this offense simple. Like, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. Um, there are so many coaches that take rookie quarterback. Look what Shane Steichen did with Anthony Richardson when he played this year. You're telling me Richardson's going to go through his reads and process things better than Hurts? I just don't buy it. I do not buy it. Um, look at what coaching staffs around the league are doing to some of the young quarterbacks around here. Um, he has been left out to dry big time. Like, I, I strongly, strongly believe that. I have a lot, a lot of concerns about this team long term. Um, coaching staff, general manager to an extent in terms of positions they prioritize, aging veterans on both sides of the ball. I would put Jalen Hurts, my level of concern for Jalen Hurts, as about as low as it could get. Like, I really do not want to. And I've always said this, and Jalen Hurts does not necessarily play the position historically the way that I have learned the position myself. And that's why I've always been more critical. And if you read prior film reviews, I've said this. I've said I would have traded him. I would have been after the Sean Watson without the off the field and Russell Wilson. I've said this. Like, I'm not hiding from it. I've never been fully on board with Hurts. The last two years, I've seen more than enough. We, we don't really talk about it very much, but his accuracy is excellent. Like, his ball placement's really good. You don't see him sound many throws. You look at like someone like Trevor Lawrence and when Wentz was there, and you see quarterbacks miss. You don't see Hurts miss that often. When you see him miss, it's probably because there's a defender right there because there's no um, separation anyway. His ball location is pretty good. His deep throws are outstanding. Um, his pocket moving is not the best, but he's also an elite athlete who should be able to break out of the pocket. Like, if you ask me where my concern levels are in Jalen Hurts, they are very, very low compared to some of the other problems. I think this has been a coaching staff that has absolutely left him out to dry. And basically, they can't do it again. If they get another chance, they cannot do it again. Um, and if they don't get another chance, then they probably deserve, unfortunately, uh, not to get another chance because this year they've ruined a chance of a very, very young quarterback with a very good offensive line with players in possibly the last ever year like Jason Kelsey. And to be blunt, they've ruined it. Um, I can forgive the defense to an extent, like because of talent and because of other things. I can't the offense. I really can't. There's there's no excuse for them to be this bad. You cannot have an offensive line that is that good. And you cannot have running backs, the weapons that they are, a tight end in Dallas Goddard, a receiver in Devontae Smith, even without AJ Brown and be that, poor on offense it's and i don't think it comes down to hurts um, and i might be wrong and next year if they hire another offensive coordinator or they hire another head coach and hurts struggles a little bit um then we can have a, as you said we can have a conversation we can have a conversation this time next year um but right now i don't even really want to entertain the conversation about do the eagles have a problem with hurts i look around the league i look at someone like Dak prescott who i like but he's obviously physically maxed out and i think hurts absolutely has the upside to win a Super Bowl. Well, I mean, quite frankly, he's performed well enough to win a Super Bowl, doing something that we've never seen, those middle tier, like a Trevor Lawrence. He's always compared to people like Lawrence and Dak. So I always mention those people um, because they've not done what Hurts has done. Hurts carried the offense on his back in the Super Bowl and played well enough for a whole postseason. Like the Eagles should have won the Super Bowl last year. I have never seen someone like Dak, someone like Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Dak, I don't think he's a... Uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen level. I think most people would accept that. He's probably not a top three, but not everyone's got a top three, top four. Like, I think he's clearly in that five, six, seven range. Um, and in my opinion, he's at the top of it because he's one of the only people to prove he can do it in a playoff game. Even someone like Herbert, who I absolutely love from a traits perspective, has not done the things that Jalen Hurts has done in the postseason and in games like the Super Bowl. So I think this year, you see he's not confident. He is not playing confident. He was not confident yesterday. But I do not think it's on him. And maybe I'm being too nice. Maybe hindsight will prove me wrong um, next year. I am pretty much like on a scale of 100%. How much is the coach's fault? 
I'm going like 95. Like I'm, I'm that high. I'm that certain that I'm going coaches over players uh, right now. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's possible that 2022 is as good as it gets for Hertz. If that's as good as it gets with a competent defense, it was good enough. It would have been good enough to win a Super Bowl. He may never play at that level again. I don't think that's reasonable to think that he won't. But you see it. You see guys have a one-off year. You see Joe Flacco have that run he had in the playoffs and get paid huge with the Ravens and then just never live up to it. Like that happens. And maybe that's what happened here. And maybe Hertz will not be that same sort of player. But when you look at it, I mean, Occam's razor, you look at this system that he plays in and it's just, you could draw it with crayons on a brown paper bag. Like that's the level of, that's the level of scheming and coaching that we have here. And so for me, I said on the BGN instant reaction show, I am very open to having a Hertz conversation, but I'm going to need to do it after next year when he has a competent coaching staff around him. If it looks the same, like you get a com- you get competency in that offensive meeting room and it looks the same next year. Then we talk about was Hertz just carried by AJ Brown and Devonte Smith and a great run game and a great offensive line. We're never going to do that again. It, you just can't compare last year to this year because he's working with absolutely nothing uh, from a coaching and schematic standpoint. It, it, it can't be overstated how bad it is. And that's why, and I'm not, I'm not a fire people guy. I fully endorse that Nick Sirianni should be fired. And that sounds crazy a year away from a Super Bowl run. I just look at what he's doing and I don't, I, I, to steal the line from Shiel Kapadia, he breaks coaches down into doing more with less, doing what's expected or doing less with more. I mean, there's no denying that Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson did less with more this season. Now, how you parse that, I don't know. Is this is this Nick Sirianni? Uh, maybe Nick Sirianni meddled with the whole Sean Desai firing and Matt Patricia came in and it turned out awful. And so as the offense was tanking down the stretch, he just said, no, I'm going to learn from my mistakes and be hands off. And this is all Brian Johnson. Maybe. Maybe. This is Nick Sirianni meddling in everything and constructing the offense. And maybe Brian Johnson's a fine offensive coordinator, but he's being hamstrung by Nick Sirianni. I don't know. What I know is it doesn't work right now. And the Eagles front office has to figure out what the issue is because it's one or it's possible. It's just one of those guys. I think it's, I think it's likely more Nick related than Brian related but I'm fine with getting rid of both of them. If that's what it takes, if you're not sure, just get them both out and start over. Yeah. That's why it's so tricky with Hertz. Cause you basically just, you need to see him in a different offense. Um, the defensive starts all to get fired. So if Sirianni is back, then I guess Johnson will be as well. Um, because I don't see how you fire every single offensive, basically coaching stuff or your whole offensive coaching staff and your whole defensive coaching staff and your head coach keeps his job. Um, so I'm sort of with you, weirdly. I, I don't really want to say fire Nick Sirianni because, I, I I mean, look, his record, he just wins. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the run game as well, Shane, because I have... Absolute... Real quick, before Sorry, we get yeah, there. Go for it, go for it. <clears throat> Here's the problem if you retain Sirianni 
and you fire Brian Johnson and bring in another offensive coordinator, if they fix this offense, they will be gone in two years. And that's just the nature of it. That's why I, I'm pretty out on head coaches that don't call plays on one side of the ball, specifically on offense. Every team in the league is searching for offense. And if you do not call plays for your offense as a head coach, as soon as you get someone that does, that's good, they're going to be gone. Um, which brings me to someone asked me about uh, what if they get rid of Brian Johnson and bring in Frank Reich. And my initial response was very negative to that. But I've been thinking about it. I want to float this by you. I, I generally think Frank Reich probably didn't do a very good job in any plus four career. But one thing that would be in favor of that is one, I think it's somebody Nick Sirianni would trust and stay out of their way. And then two, I think his offense is a little outdated, but I will say, I don't think Frank Reich will get another shot as an NFL head coach. And so there could be some merit to bringing in a guy that's called plays before. I mean, he failed as a head coach twice, let's be honest. But if he came in and did a good job, I don't think he would get poached away. So that that's trying to thread the needle probably too finely of guys Nick would trust who aren't good enough to get hired as head coaches somewhere. But I don't know. I Maybe that could work. I, I would have to sell myself on it, but it's not my preference, but it was something I was thinking about today. Yeah, well, I thought about it before we recorded that. Actually. I don't know why it came up in my mind as well. It feels like too obvious, doesn't it? Um, I think you're right. I think Reich's a little bit outdated, and I think I would rather someone who's maybe a little bit more, let's say, with the times or has had more success recently. But I'll tell you one thing. Um, there's absolutely no way that performance happens with Frank Reich uh, on the coaching staff that we saw this week. Um, just no way. Like he's way, way, way too professional. His, his offense, rightly or wrongly, will have answers to things. The argument for Frank Reich would, it, to me, it streaks a little bit of arrogance again, which is where the players are good enough. So we don't need an advantage scheme wise. We just need a decent coach, um, which should be my criticism. But I wouldn't hate it. If Sirianni's going to stay, then it, I need to see somebody that can actually prove and do the job and also someone who ideally wouldn't get fired. Uh, sorry, no, not fired, hired away from somebody else. And I feel like Reich's failed enough times as a head coach now where I can't imagine he gets another head coaching gig that quickly. Um, before we move on to the defense very briefly, Shane, um, and to be honest, as I said, I, I haven't got a lot of defense this week because it just sucks. I mean, basically every way possible. I want to talk about the run game, uh, not just because it's my thing to talk about the run game. Um, I have absolutely no idea what happened to the run game this week. I've basically been on here looking like a mug now for about a month saying, oh, the run game's back. The run game's back. I I'm waiting for the report that says Jalen Hurts got injured last week or something. Because what on earth happened that I up to the quarterback run game? I said this for a while. I think this Eagles offense runs off the run game. I still I still believe that. Um, I think, yes, the passing offense is, has been very strong with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, but this is a team that has to run the ball. So the past few weeks, we saw some look that the quarterback run game was coming back. So if you go back to the Cardinals game, Jalen Hurts had eight carries and there was uh, some QB power in there. There was some there was some QB counter bash. There was some cool stuff that we saw. Um, obviously, the Giants game just is a write-off because it, it, it didn't matter. Hurts was pulled very, very early on. But the Giants game before that, DeAndre Swift had 20 carries. Jalen Hurts had eight carries and a touchdown. Kenneth Gainwell had six carries, 41 yards. Like, where did the quarterback run game go like it wasn't there i think they had one quarterback run 
Sean, I'm going to read out the stats from the Eagles-Seahawks game. The 19th of December, Jalen Hurts, 13 carries, 82 yards, two touchdowns. Like, the run game was back. The quarterback run game was back. Now, if Hurts is injured, that's the only thing that makes sense. But the run game this week was awful. Like, it was, there was nothing there. They ran outside zone, inside zone, which we've been saying they run the start of the year. That's all we were talking about. They ran from pistol every time from 12 personnel. Every time they ran from 12 personnel, the Bucks played six on the defensive line and played single high safety. The Eagles just ran into a brick wall time and time and time again. And then I keep seeing people go online and say, well, that's why you can't run the ball because they couldn't run it. They couldn't run it because the Bucks knew they were running it because they were running it in predictable situations. That's why they couldn't run it. They didn't commit to it. They didn't try anything. I didn't see tackle trap. I didn't see QB draw. I didn't see QB. I mean, can't, the counter run just wasn't there. Like I was watching it, like what's what's going on? This is the game plan they came up with. Um, I just wanted to mention it, basically to try and cover myself and make myself look a bit smarter because I sound like an idiot because I've been writing and saying on this podcast every week the Eagles run games back. The Eagles run games back. I was like convinced the Eagles run game would at least be good. Um, it was awful. Like it, it was genuinely awful, and it wasn't Swift's fault. It wasn't really. The offensive line's fault. They just kept running the same run plays in obvious running situations when the Bucks knew it was coming. It was so predictable. Um, we've said for ages this running game is not the same without Jaden Hurts running the football. Like it's just end of. And if the coaching staff decided to give him one carry in the biggest game of the season, then that is terrifying. Um, I know Hurts looks a little slower this year, and I know he looks a little banged up. I had to look this up because it's almost incredible that I sort of forget this. He's 25 years old. Sometimes I think of Hertz as like a vet, as like, oh, you've got to protect his legs and maybe you shouldn't run that much. Like he's 25 years old. He's got four or five years of running left. Lamar Jackson's 27. God knows how many carries Lamar Jackson's had the past five years. Like Hertz is a very good athlete. Like Hertz should have another three years of running um, as a big part of the run game. And you'd think... They're going to hide it for the playoffs. I get that. So they might not run as much in the regular season. I totally get that. And then when it's crunch time, we're going to unleash it. And the Ravens have done that a little bit as well. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to bring him up to check, but I'm pretty sure if I look at Lamar Jackson's rushing numbers, uh, as someone who owned him in fantasy uh, this year, I'm pretty sure he wasn't running the ball a great deal at the start of the year. But then definitely as the season went on, he started to run it more. So I just have absolutely no idea um where the the QB run game was this week. Like it was bizarre. It just totally vanished. Totally vanished from the opposing um from the offensive game plan, sorry. And I haven't read anything about Hertz being hurt. I've not read one article about his knee being bad again. I didn't read anyone talking about it before the game. So I'm really, really hoping he was injured. And that might sound strange because if he wasn't, then that makes the game plan even worse. Like even worse. <clears throat> yeah. Um it was bizarre, to say the least, to see zero design QB runs. I mean, not even design QB runs. I don't think there was – I don't even remember seeing like a read option play where he just handed it off. Like you had the touchdown to Goddard where it was like the little the little pull option sort of thing where it's basically hand it off or roll out a couple steps and throw it to Goddard for a touchdown. But there was never any effort to like – get Hertz involved in the running game. And you would think in what's essentially the biggest game of the year that you would see that. 
And so I'm with you. I wondered if we're going to hear something about an injury. Um, Cause it just doesn't make sense. Does it? I mean, you're, you're down AJ Brown. That makes it harder. Now you're playing a team that blitzes a lot. How do you beat that? It's being in the chains and the Buccaneers are putting so many guys in the box, but still like hurt should give you that plus one advantage in the box. And we just didn't see it. So I don't know if it makes sense to me early season to stay away from using Hertz as a runner a lot, but in those big games and certainly in the playoffs, you have to be willing to roll that out. And so I almost think he has to be injured. And if not, like you said, that's just an even bigger indictment of this offensive plan. It just doesn't make sense. Like I keep refreshing my feet thinking we're going to hear about it. We're going to hear he was injured. Like the Bills do the same every year. They don't rush Josh Allen as much when the playoffs come around. Like the QB run game is still like the cheat code of the NFL. Like it's it's the biggest look around the NFL. Unless you're coached by basically Carl Shanahan or your Patrick Mahomes, and even he is a very, very good scrambler. Like the QB run game is a big part of it. Um, I was listening to the Athletic Football Podcast, or I was listening to with um Tice and Robert Mays. And they are basically as big of Dak Prescott fans as anyone. Like they love, they are, they rate him more highly than anyone I've ever heard. And even they were doubting basically, is he physically good enough to win a Super Bowl? And I was really surprised because I thought basically they were all in on Dak. Like they were, and basically they said he's a fourth round pick and he's not the top, top athlete and he's not top arm strength. And you look at all the quarterbacks around the league that are in the playoffs. You'll look at Lamar Jackson, dual fasted quarterback, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, except for Brock Purdy again. Um, like, that's the game. Like it's not a, it's not like a joke play anymore. The quarterback running game. We're not going back ten years where like people would scramble. It's a big part of teams' offenses now. It's a huge part. It was basically the Bills' offense for about three years with Josh Allen when they didn't have a running game. So not even call it. And the weird thing is, he had a scramble where he looked quite good. He looked quite spry, which makes me think that he could have carried out some runs. Like I just don't. I I have no idea. QB draw makes sense if I'm being honest, because every time the Eagles went empty, the Bucks went six on the line of scrimmage. I get that. But like, there was nothing. There wasn't, I, I did not see a single QB counter bash play, which they have basically run for the past six weeks. And they run it really well. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say about it. I, I literally have nothing. I, if someone finds out, I'll, I'll make sure to please tweet me um, if he was actually carrying an injury. But even if he was, unless you're in real danger of like wrecking his knee long-term, I still feel like, well, what's the harm? Because you're going to lose anyway. <laughs> they were losing anyway. So in the first half, why not try and run him a bit? And if it doesn't work, then what, what are you really going to lose? Um, so I didn't get it. I just wanted to talk about the run game because I feel like I've been so positive about it the last month. And this just knocked back every single bit of confidence um, I had. And if I'm being honest, and this is going to annoy everyone, so I'm not even going to, once again, I'm not going to tweet this out. Um I don't know how much of a role Jeff Stoutland has in the Eagles run game, but I'm pretty sure he's not just a normal offensive lineman, a normal offensive line coach. He's he's involved, isn't he, in the run game? Um, I mean, he's the run game coordinator for this team. And if the Eagles are going to clean house, Shane, and start afresh in everyone, it's like just cut everyone, every coach. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to be as gutted as I would have been six weeks ago if Jeff Stoutland is released as well because I don't really understand the run game either. Like, I didn't get the run game in this game. Like, I didn't get it. Um, and I think they were too focused on inside zone, outside zone at the start of the year. Then it got better, and we saw more counter come back in. We saw more gap scheme. We saw more tackle trap. Um, but 
this this week just knocked all my confidence. And maybe I'm overreacting to one game. And maybe Hurst was injured. And Stoutland would say, listen, Johnny, he was he was hurt. We couldn't call any of it. So that's nothing outside of my control. And in which case, I don't want Stoutland to go, by the way. I mean, everyone recognises him as a fantastic coach. I'm just being honest. Like, I, I was not at all happy with the run game this week. Because you know one of the great ways of stopping pressure and when your team's crap against the Blitz, just running the football. Not throwing it 40 times a game. Having success with the run. And they had nothing. They had nothing. They couldn't run the ball. Every time they ran, as I said, it was pistol, 12 personnel. The Bucks went six-man line of scrimmage. And I'm not kidding. I'm not going to tweet every clip. But basically, every single time the Eagles went pistol, 12 personnel, they ran it. Um, it was, It was laughable. It was genuinely laughable. Yeah, well, that's all season. They only run out of pistol. Like that's pretty much it. And I could look up those splits. I've looked them up before, but it's overwhelming that the Eagles are going to run the ball when they go into pistol, and that's part of the problem. With, I mean, the, their offense is so. It's so like last year we talked. Well, we didn't talk, but last year people talked about the Eagles would go in four down fronts to rush the passer, five down fronts to stop the run. And having that so siloed, that's the way that the run game, or that's the way that the Eagles offense is right now. It's, you can tell based on their alignment really strongly. If, if they're in pistol, it's going to be a run play. And uh, you just can't be that predictable. Shane, just quickly to finish this off, because I always scroll through and try and see if it's, I, I look at accounts. Nate Tice has just tweeted this literally just now. Um, every When the Eagles went 12 personnel, the Bucks played only three defensive backs. So the Bucks went heavy, basically. Yeah, they um, were like 6-2. Yeah, 6-2, basically. Uh, they played that, so listen to this, they played that 12 times against the Eagles, right? The whole season, the Bucks have played it 11 times outside of the red zone. So this was a game-specific plan for the Eagles. Um, and how did the Eagles adjust? On those 12 plays, the Eagles had only three successful plays. Um, now, ironically, one of them was the 55-yarder to Devontae Smith, which just proves a point. Go 12 personnel and then throw it. Like, that was that's what I've always said. Like, you don't just have to run when you go 12 personnel. Go pistol play action. Um, the fact that 55-yarder was against um, the... Bucks with only three DBs on the field is a great example of like the Bucks just didn't care. All right, you got one. Well done. You got one. We're going to stop you every other, every single other time because we know what you're going to do. And um, that's laughable. Like that's for the Eagles not to adjust to that and not to realize that every time they were going 12 personnel, um, the Bucks were matching it with three DBs. They should have kept doing it. Kept going 12 personnel and then just start throwing at it. What'd you do? You forced the Bucks to put four DBs on, play nickel, and then, or get four DBs or play nickel, and then you start running it again. Like it's a cycle. It's what co- it's what good coaching staffs do. Um, just everything was bad. Like I know we've gone on about the offense for a long time, but I, I knew this was going to be an offensive episode because I feel like the defense. We'll talk about it briefly, but everyone knows everyone's getting fired. It's not going to look like this next year. Whereas the offense, I feel like there is a chance still that this matters. Like quarterbacks going to be there, players are going to be there, coaches might be there. Um, I, I can't explain how disappointed I was just with everything. Literally everything through the offense. It was an out and out disaster of performance um, from the coaching staff. Yeah, when the when the Eagles are in pistol, they run the ball on seventy one percent of their plays this season. Uh, when the Eagles enter, they ran the ball on ninety two percent of their plays. Now that's heavily swayed by the tush push, I'm sure, on the under center. Uh, 
And then in shotgun, they throw it 65% of the time. So yeah, just, I mean, just clear as day, uh, clear as day tells of what you're going to do. And what annoys me is because people then say, oh, they have to set the run game. That's why they don't do it. Or I keep seeing the Eagles were right. Stop running the ball because they can't run it anyway. And it's like, no, they can't run the ball because they, they, they're not built to run the ball well like this week. Like there wasn't the idea that they just shouldn't have just, I've seen people already say like they every time they ran the ball was a waste of a player. Should have thrown every play. And it's just like, no, because you can't do something, fix it. They just stop doing it. Oh, we've had two bad runs from under center. We'll never run again. They're terrible from under center because every time they go under center and run the ball, the defense knows they're going to run it. And every time they go 12 personnel pistol in this game, they were terrible at running the ball because the defense knew they were going to run it. It doesn't mean you stop running the ball. It means you do something different in how you run the ball. Um, this offensive line, this team should have carried this running game. If Hurts was injured, even bigger reason, no AJ Brown, it should have been the focus. They try things. They didn't even try they just ran the same stuff. Um, and again, dare I say, showing the combat, that word arrogance. Arrogance from Stoutland as well. Arrogance from the running game. That we will do our thing and it will work. We don't care if you know we're going to run because we've got such a good offensive line. We don't need disguise. We don't need to try and hide what we're going to do to you. We've got better players than you and it's going to work. And it doesn't work and you're not better. So suck it up. Look at it this offseason. Whoever's there, new coaching staff, old coaching staff, whoever is there, please look at this game tape. Uh, look at it, study it, and realize that you're not as good as you think you are and that other teams have passed you by schematically and you need to start catching up. Because otherwise, I'm not looking forward, as you could probably tell from my tone this episode, to watching this for 17 weeks next week and writing about it because <laughs> it's a job and we I have to. Uh, assuming I'm still doing this next year, and it was it was boring this week. Like it was, if I had to watch this every week, it'd be mind-numbingly boring because there was so little excitement. Um, I saw someone on Twitter say they turned off the game, and they've never turned off a game before. And I was like, I don't blame them. I do not blame them. The game was basically over once the Bucks got their first touchdown. I don't know what it was like live, so I don't know what Twitter was like live. Um, I don't know if they were just absolutely melting down, which I'm guessing they were. But I had zero confidence absolutely zero confidence the second that first third and two happened and they threw it deep Dallas Goddard I, I could have turned off the TV then um, and that's bad it's a playoff team with good players with money spent on a quarterback and you cannot be bad again ever and I can excuse mistakes I can't excuse just coaches just flat out not preparing a team to play in the playoff game yeah I spent the fourth quarter to give you an idea of what Twitter was like I spent the fourth quarter answering questions about head coach and offensive coordinator candidates. So that that's, that's the headspace that I, I, I didn't, it was on, I was barely watching the fourth quarter. I was answering questions about coach candidates and posting mock drafts. Yeah. So that's, that, that that's where I was right. at. Shall we, um, shall we touch on the defense very quickly? Because I feel like yeah, there's only okay. so much we could say. Do you want to throw it to a late break? Yeah, that might be good. Uh, we'll throw it to a break here to pay some bills and keep Rachel happy, and we'll be back right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back here on the Shane page. Uh, we're going to briefly talk about the defense. Um because we're not really capable of having a short show. Even when we say in our chat before we start, we will have a short show. We're going to try to talk briefly about the defense, because, I mean, there's really not a lot to talk about with the defense. You guys all saw nobody can tackle, um, and that makes it kind of hard to play football, believe it or not. Uh, I, I tweeted this out earlier in the week, and I cannot remember the exact number now, uh, but I think it was like, a 27, 23%, 27% missed tackle rate um, in this game, 21.3% missed tackle rate. Uh, Zach Cunningham missed three. Josh Sweat, Kevin Byard, and James Bradbury each missed two tackles. Jalen Carter, Avante Maddox, Hassan Reddick, and Bradley Roby each missed one tackle. So uh, tremendously awful tackling. The same things that we've seen over and over. Uh, the Buccaneers, you know, the Buccaneers just really surprised everybody by rolling out 12 personnel and then emptying out their backfield to make Hassan Reddick drop into coverage. I don't know how this crack staff could have ever anticipated a team doing, you know, exactly what the last two teams you played did, but the Eagles were more than happy to continue putting out five man fronts, continue dropping edge rushers into coverage. Uh, we even had one, it was a great rep by Kevin Byard where he's, he's blitzing and he's unblocked and he gets there in almost under four seconds, uh, an unblocked pressure in almost four seconds. So just some tremendous scheming, uh, by this defensive staff coming into this game. But, uh, again, we were more disappointed with the offense because this is pretty much what we expected from the defense. Yeah, the defense did like everything we said. Um, we haven't actually even spoke off air about what we'll do over the next few weeks, um, but we will still be podcasting. And I think maybe we'll do more of a detailed like player-by-player player, um, breakdown on offense and defense. We won't get into too much today. But like schematically, it's just the same. Like the move to Patricia has been the worst thing, it's worse than I ever could have imagined. And I wasn't actually that mad about it, uh, Shane, as you know, because that last Sean Desire game was so bad. I didn't mind, um, to be honest, because I was so done with it. But the five-man pressures are killing me. Like, they're actually killing me. They just keep blitzing a linebacker um, from, like, five, ten yards deep, and he never 
ever gets home. I don't have a number, Shane, but have Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Moreau got a sack this year from blitzing? Like, I don't know if they have, maybe one or two. Um, Zach Cunningham has zero sacks in his last 38 games. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, what... Nicholas Morrow had that three sack game earlier this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and those those three sacks bring his total of his six-year career to seven sacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I wanted to mention this play um, as a specific because I think there was loads of like hilarious. I imagine you've clipped it up. I haven't. So the touchdown went everyone fell over. And um, <laughs> I might need you to be more specific. Yeah, more specific. <laughs> yeah. The um, the touchdown where um, Avante Maddox ran in to uh, was it Eli Ricks and then everyone fell over. Um, oh, the other one where that happened. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, I like I think it was one. the Sorry. I think it was the first one. I think it was the first one when then Eli Ricks managed to like push him back into the end zone um when there was actually nobody there because it was a man coverage beater that they run um i've seen everyone moan about like this play because avonte maddock plays it terribly and the safety and the cornerback like don't communicate but actually this is how like i said online i got ptsd from the eagles five man pressures the first thing i and genuinely when i saw this live i didn't look at the missed tackles i didn't look at maddox and ricks running into each other the first thing that came into my mind was this is because they rushed five again. And I knew they rushed five again because they have Avante Maddox as, as a safety coming down in coverage of Rashad White. This is the easiest completion to Rashad White ever. If Baker Mayfield wants to check it down, like, just look at how far away Avante Maddox is. How, and by the way, Rashad White is a good receiving back and they throw to the running back a lot. This is not a team that doesn't throw to their running back. Like, this is a team that uses it as a weapon. Just stop rushing five. Like, just ask a linebacker to cover Rashad White. Uh, and it's amazing, isn't it? On that play, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Genuinely, I'm not lying. The first thing that came to my mind was, I, I, know, I know they've rushed five. Because there's no other reason. And that's why, by the way, this pick happens. It's all very well telling Eli Ricks to, like, look where he's going. But normally mesh concepts have a cornerback the other side of the field. And you are taught to avoid them, one play high, one play low, or how on earth is Eli Ricks meant to see a guy coming from his diagonal? Like, he's in his blind spot. He's got absolutely no chance. And the reason why you never see teams do this is because no team asks their linebacker, sorry, asks their safety, who is like 15, 20 yards off the ball, to cover a running back. Just look pre-snap. Like, what on earth is Eli Ricks meant to do here? I know people can say he's meant to get out of the way of Maddox, and they should try. And also, to defend Maddox, He's also panicking because he's playing a new position, first of all. And then he's realized he's in a horrendous position to cover Rashad White anyway. So he's trying to get down here as quick as he possibly can. Like, to be honest, I've got one of my points. There's no point even talking about tackling. There's nothing schematically fun about tackling. It's just terrible fundamentals. Um, or, but this play, and it's all because they rush five. And it happened multiple times in the game. There was a completion to Cade Otten on the first drive, about 13 yards on second down because they rushed five. And there was no one in the middle of the field. Um, and Avante like, Maddox plays with outside leverage with yep, no help inside. That's the one. Yep, I've got it clipped up to tweet out. That's the one. Um, their five-man pass rush is as bad as anything I've seen. They, I don't know why they do it. Um, it's, it's beyond me. Um, there were so many mistakes in this game we could get to. Um, James Bradbury is gone physically. Uh, I've almost been annoyed at Bradbury some parts of the year. This was like I've gone past annoyance to like I feel a bit sorry for him because I feel like his career is just like gone in one year. Like I don't 
So I don't see what what's going to happen there unless he magically rediscovers um, some athleticism because he can't play. Kevin Byard, unfortunately, we all hoped. It uh, looks like he doesn't move very well. Um, but the back end was horrendous. Like, I thought Slay actually played well. Um, I, I always think Slay plays well, to be honest with you. I think Slay's just a good player, full stop. Um, but the defence just, it plays up to their level. Like, I, I feel more critical of the offence because for the defence, I'm a little bit like, what more do you want them to do in terms of the linebackers stink and the secondary stinks? Um, so I get that. The defensive line actually did turn up for once, I thought, anyway. I thought we've moaned about defensive line a lot. Um I still think next year that's going to be a strength. I still maintain my long-term concerns about Jordan Davis being anything more than a, um, a bit part player, basically. Um, but I think Nolan Smith really flashed. I think you want to talk about him later. Um, I think Milton Williams really flashed. I think Brandon Graham showed out again. Um, so I think the defensive line, I think even Fletcher Cox didn't have the worst game in the world. Um, I think the defensive line is something to hang your hat off. Um, but it was just bad, wasn't it? It just wasn't very good. Like the, the whole way the defense is constructed, the way that, I mean, Reddick was dropping into coverage like two of the first three snaps. I think you tweeted that out as well. And by the way, the first snap of the game was again when I lost my whatever at home because I watched Bucks motion to two receivers out to Reddick's side and drag him out. It, I mean, I can see it and I'm not a coach. And I, I would attack the Eagles defense in the exact same way they did. And they must have been laughing. They must have been like, oh my goodness, I've done it again. All we've done is motion the receivers to the two wide receiver side. Yep. Eagles fans. Gave the 49ers a lot of crap last year for trying to block Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end. Now you know how to do it. You put the backup tight end on the field and motion him to Reddick's side, and Reddick will drop into coverage. You don't have to look at it. He doesn't even have to run a route. He can literally just stand there. But like, if you could block Hassan Reddick, 100% guarantee you can block Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end. Why would you ever not run 12 personnel and do it? Like, that's 100% chance, 100% success rate blocking Hassan Reddick. If you just put a second tight end on the field on that side and have him run any route to the flat and Reddick has to cover it. Like, yeah. it's brilliant. Kyle uh, Shanahan was ahead of his time. He just didn't have it figured out quite right. He thought you had to actually put the guy on the line of scrimmage to block Reddick. But what he really should have done was put them standing by the sideline and then Reddick blocks himself. And I've always defended this because I don't particularly like, like, I mean, this is all philosophical at this point, so it doesn't really matter. But I, I'm not a big free four guy. I've always been more of a four down front guy. And I think that when a team is basically, this is my personal opinion, is when you've got a team who has two outside linebackers who can both rush the quarterback and both drop into coverage, then the free four is outstanding. Because basically you line three defensive linemen. I mean, we play more of a five defensive linemen. Maybe you want to call it a three, four, whatever. Let's just say for argument's sake, you know what I'm trying to say here, that dropping outside linebackers in coverage is fine if you've got guys that can do both. The Eagles are trying to run a system that Patricia wants to run with, and I think they got Nolan Smith possibly wrong if that's what they thought he was. I think I've said to you before, he might just be an edge player and he mightn't be rubbish in coverage. Um, Hassan Reddick failed his career as an off-ball linebacker. He's not. He's an edge rusher. He's a 4-3 edge. Done. Joshua, 4-3 edge. Done. Every snap there in coverage, unfortunately, is a, is a waste. The only time you would ever do it is once or twice a game to hope that you catch defense out. But don't do it once or twice a game. They do it consistently. And they don't do it in an unpredictable manner either. They do it in an obvious manner. It's not difficult to see that they are going to do it. And that is what is so 
frustrating. Um, they barely did it. Hassan Reddick, I think, dropped back six times in total. So at the end of the day, it wasn't as much as it looked at some points. I think that was still 20% of roughly his snaps against the um, against the rush, against the pass, sorry. Um, but it just wasn't there. Like it, it's just it, it messes with everything the way they the way they play their five defensive line. <clears throat> and whatever scheme they look at next year, whoever they hire, um, I, it might be time to simplify things and uh, get back to what we know the Eagles can do, which is historically been a four-three front, um, and then consider or a four-two and whatever in the modern game, etc. But I just don't think. This I basically don't think the five-man front works unless you are fully comfortable with both your edge defenders dropping into coverage because otherwise it's not unpredictable. Pre-snap, they haven't got the athleticism to drop back into coverage from uh, with their hands in the dirt. It doesn't work, and it's continued to not work for a long time now. And watching Reddick the first few snaps, he looked angry as well. I think some of the defense just didn't quit, but basically just gave up because they knew they were done. I thought Graham Smith, Cox, and Williams were probably the four that didn't. Um, and I think you could criticise. I mean, I quite like Slay still, but I think you can criticise basically every single other defender. It was just, they're put in a really bad position by the coaching staff um, and the talent's not there. Um, the talent is not there on defence, unlike the offence. Yeah. I will say on this play that you talked about with Maddox, I will give him credit for one thing. And that's after he tackles Eli Ricks. He really gets on his horse to get back down the field puts in great effort to get down there and also tackle Keely Ringo. So uh, we can talk about tackling issues for the Eagles defense. Avante Maddox, say what you will about his coverage. He was very good tackling Eagles defenders during passing plays. So he's got that going for him. Yeah. He he also just did not look right. Did he ever since he came back, um, they rushed him back. He faced like 70 snaps this week or something. Like they, they really tried to get him back and he's clearly not right. Uh, Bradbury's obviously done. Roby's not good. Um, yeah, we'll talk more. I think I think we haven't even spoke off there, but we'll do something individual at some point. We'll look at some of the free agents as we go through and maybe do a little bit of a debrief on individuals. Um, defensively, I don't really have anything else to say. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about um, rookies, but schematically this game was much more interesting from an offensive point of view because the defense, I knew what it was going to be. I don't really think there was anything that was going to happen. Patricia's not exactly going to relinquish play calling or coordinated position this week. That was what it was going to be. Um, offense had more chances to do things right. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to mention then, Shane, on the uh, defensive side of things before we finish up this incredibly depressing episode? Yeah, I would just say I thought Nolan Smith played well. Um, obviously he got the sack. He had a couple really good reps and run defense. Um, I I've tweeted them out. I won't put them on the screen here, but there's one where he does a really good job, like attacking the sniffer it, it, on an inside zone and collapses that play in. So it has nowhere to cut back. Uh, there was another play where they try to block him with a tight end on a run. And he just like, he just, you see offensive linemen do this to defensive linemen sometimes. Jalen Carter's been susceptible to it where they just pull you to the ground because you've got your weight so far forward. He pops the tight end and then just like pulls him to the ground. It, it was really impressive. Um, he had he had a really good tackle against the run. It was like inside. So I just thought that he did a really good job uh, in his limited snaps. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when he played in this game, he played like four or five snaps in a row instead of coming on the field for one play and dropping into coverage and coming off. 
there's a rhythm to rushing the passer, like getting in the feel of the game. It's like, I I don't know. I, I'm going to mix sports analogies again, but you don't bring the guy in off the bench in basketball to shoot one three and then put him back on the bench and just keep doing that. Like you've got to let him get in the flow of the game and heat up. And I just think Nolan Smith was misused this year. I think he should have played a lot more. Uh, watching him celebrate that sack with Brandon Graham, like got me in my feet, got me in the feels a little bit. Um, I just hope that, I hope that Nolan Smith gets to play a lot more next year because I do think he's an exciting player. And just generally on rookies while we're there, the Eagles have got to play rookies. Um, last season, I remember it being a storyline heading into the Super Bowl that the Eagles had played their rookies the lowest snap count in the NFL, and the Chiefs were like number two or three. Last year, rookies played 877 snaps. The average was 2,000. Um, I don't know a good place to look up like rookie snap counts this year for all the teams without tallying it up myself, but I know the Eagles rookies played 1,775 snaps this year. Now that's with two first round picks and four picks inside the top 70. And that would rank 27th among last year's numbers. Like the Eagles simply do not put rookies on the field. We talked about James Bradbury. He played 1,090 snaps. He allowed more touchdowns than he had pass breakups. If you look at all cornerbacks who played 500 snaps this season, per PFF, he had the first pass rating, most touchdowns allowed, and 13th lowest coverage. It was blatantly obvious that he was bad all season, and it took... Darius Slay having surgery to get Keely Ringo on the field and he played 199 snaps. Like it was apparent to everybody Bradbury was done and you couldn't get Ringo on the field. It, it and maybe I'm biased because I had a first round pick or grade on Keely Ringo, but you just got to be willing to let young players play. And the last one I'll talk about the Eagles have got to stop drafting interior offensive linemen on interior offensive line is the most plug and play position in the NFL uh, over the last two years 14 interior offensive linemen have been selected in the second or the third round of the draft two by the Eagles so out of those other 12 one of them tore their ACL in the preseason so they have no snaps so the 11 healthy guys that were not drafted by the Eagles Average 775 snaps as rookies. The Eagles' two day two selections, which is uh, uh, Cam Jurgens in 2022, played 35 snaps as a rookie. Tyler Steen this year played 71 snaps as rookies. They have got to stop wasting draft picks on interior offensive linemen a year before you need them. Offensive line is plug and play. You get the developmental guys on day three. Like, if you're drafting a lineman in the second round, he should be starting. And the Eagles, I, I, I agree, they, you should value the trenches. You should build through the trenches. But the Eagles' philosophy of how to build rosters and play rookies, it's got to change moving forward. Yeah, I think the uh, Harry Roseman general manager podcast coming this year. Um, I think it's going to be good. We've never done off-season podcasts. Uh, so I think there's a lot of stuff we can get in, in, in depth to. And Shane is a man with the numbers. Um, sometimes I think things, and when I message Shane, like, am I thinking this right? And he'll be like, no, you're not. Or 
hopefully he was like yeah you are and um, i agree um and it's interesting as well um i think i'll finish with this just because it's random but they talk about how we having impact on game day rosters which i know has been a big talking point this year um, and that makes sense if you want to argue like well he paid james bradbury but he also drafted these guys so it's a bit of a weird one like the, the nolan smith thing to me is weird because it felt like he was drafted without a clear plan of what he is and they didn't really give him a chance to even figure out what he is um i know nobody nobody really wants the mo- moment to see Nolan Smith as, as an off-ball linebacker. If we're honest, do we think Nolan Smith playing off-ball linebacker would have been any worse than what we saw at off-ball linebacker this year? And he possibly could have got like a whole season starting worth of snaps. Like, I know people don't want to see him there, and I get it. And I know that I was pretty critical of him as an edge rusher, so it's one thing I've spoke about with him being an off-ball linebacker. But if we're being really honest, like, he could have got some snaps there, and um, that could have been a potential opportunity to get him more snaps. Even this week, when I thought he played well, 16 snaps. Um, That's not enough. I think he had five or so pass rushing opportunities I remember seeing. You don't give a guy a chance to really, really... I think he had more than 10 pass rushing snaps or once. Look at him up now. Uh, And that was against the Giants when basically the backups were playing. Now, I don't think Dan Smith's had a great year, but you can't really evaluate him. You can't really look at him after 96 total pass rushing opportunities this year and say whether he can do it or not because pass rushing is a skill. You have to develop it. You have to learn it. And the problem is he's going up against the same people in practice all the time. So you want him to face other offensive linemen and really learn his craft against a variety because every offensive lineman is different, as we know. Um, And he didn't really get the opportunity this year. And it means that the Eagles are starting next year, possibly looking Chuck Braid Edge because they didn't really give him... Uh, an adequate chance to see him develop. Uh, so that was disappointing. I know it's not really specific to this game, but I think the whole idea of this team was they're meant to win now. They're built to win now. If you can lose, but you play rookies, fans will forgive you. What makes this team so frustrating is that this was a team ready to win. Um, they should have been up there with the 49ers, the Lions, and the Cowboys this year. And they didn't just lose. Um, they lost badly. And I think that's what makes it so annoying for me is that I don't see a lot of progress throughout the season i don't like the process and i don't like what i've seen um at all really for a while now um which is tough and i think hard questions really hard questions have to be asked uh of this team and the coaching staff moving forward um really all i have uh do you have anything else that you want to mention before we get out of here no i've already said at the start but i mean like i know you'll repeat the same thing as well i know every single person says this but yeah thank you for checking us out um some of the numbers have been really good the comments have been really good uh we've been especially the last few weeks which have been obviously hard as well to listen to um but yeah we're looking forward to this so uh we're, we will definitely get working in the off season we don't plan on going anywhere we'll obviously have breaks as everyone does um but though we're massive draft guys we're big on free agency um so, yeah, it should be good. I'm actually looking forward to doing stuff uh, video-wise in off-season. So I think there's a lot, like last year, for example, I wrote a whole breakdown of the run game. Like we could do an episode on stuff <laughs> that I really um, should be good. So I think it should be exciting. Um, I'm sorry, Eagles fans, that this season turned out so rubbish and it really was a bad end. Um, but we're sports fans, so stuff could happen this week that would get us very excited again. And I'm sure we'll spend the off-season getting excited about things just to be let down again because that is sports. And uh, that's why apparently we love it. Absolutely. So thank you guys for following along with us this season. Um, yeah, your your comments uh, mean the world to both of us. So really appreciate you guys hanging in there, especially as the season kind of went off the rails uh, for us this year. So uh, like Johnny said, we'll be doing all kinds of stuff during the off season. If you have suggestions, things you want to see us do, uh, 
be sure to reach out to one of us. We're always open to suggestions. We're not very far into planning the off season yet, uh, but rest assured we will have content coming your way. So thank you guys for joining us for the, the on the chain page. Make sure you smash the subscribe button, EGN radio so you get every episode. Uh, if you're an audio listener, hit that subscribe button on Apple podcast. The more places to follow us, the better. Uh, and we will we'll be back in here next week to break something down. And so we will catch you guys. Go birds. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.